You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to look at the last few games for the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to talk about the fact that this last one wasn't a sellout. Should we be worried? Plus, we're going to talk about the potential return of Dustin Bufflin and Brian Little and what they mean to the lineup. All right, so for kicking off segment number one, looking over the last few games, we're kind of to the point of the season now, and it's we're not very far in, but we're to the point already where it's tough to catch every game. For the first few games, I'm planning my schedule around to trying to watch every single Jets game, but now life goes on, the season moves along. I didn't get a chance to watch too many with the whole storm this last weekend. I uh, only caught part of the Penguins game on Sunday night. I uh, only caught part of the uh, Blackhawks-Jets game on the radio. Uh, so everything's getting a little bit jumbled right now as life moves along. How many of these last few games were you able to see, Kyle? Yeah, I've missed a few as well, um, just with other things getting in the way. I know with Thanksgiving weekend going on, uh, gatherings and things like that uh, happening. And like you said, the storm uh, throughout a whole whack of people in Manitoba. A lot of people actually still without power uh, right now. I lost power for a little bit. Uh, I lost TV and internet services for way longer, even when my, my power came back on. Uh, so definitely an interesting time in Winnipeg. Uh, I know a lot of people were um, kind of uh, making the joke at that it was the Winnipeg whiteout for their first home game, and that's exactly what they got. Yeah, we had no power at our house from Saturday early in the morning. So all day Saturday, I had no power. So I was able to listen to the game on the radio, used what battery power I had left on my phone. And then we had family gatherings. We had no power for Sunday, but I was able to go somewhere and watch just last part of the game. And then uh, yesterday, I was calling a Portage Terrier game. So I wasn't able to watch, just getting updates for the Jets, Coyotes. But then before that, the Thursday, Jets beating the Minnesota Wild 5-2. I'm pretty sure I was able to catch a good uh, chunk of that game. So when you look, take a look at it, the Jets had a three-game winning streak going on. Then that was snapped by Pittsburgh. They then lost to the Coyotes. Just kind of your overall overall thoughts from what you've read, you've listened to, you've heard over this last little stretch. Yeah, to me, win streaks and losing streaks, there's, there's such a fine line between the two. And and the Jets had a three-game winning streak, and then they go on to lose two straight uh, to Pittsburgh and, and Arizona. So it's a very fine line between winning and losing in the NHL, but everybody knows that, right? That's to be expected. Uh, The one thing that's sticking out to me uh, specifically, uh, the Winnipeg Jets special teams power play running along fairly decently now. Uh, Penalty kill is not, I believe it's near the bottom or if not last in the league right now. Uh, The Winnipeg Jets penalty kill running at about 60%. Absolutely brutal. They cannot kill penalties. Uh, They're not a very penalized team uh, in that regard, so that's a good thing. But as far as the penalty killing goes, when they're on the ice, they are absolutely brutal. What do you think that has to do with? Is it just new guys coming in? They lost Tanev. They lost Sherratt. Is it just the different guys coming in trying to figure this out? Is it the defense and the lack of experience? I know they were talking about not having a guy in front being able to move out the guy screening Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, so I think one of the things is just the turnover on defense, um, putting in that specific system in place. You're relying on your defenders much more uh, while you're shorthanded compared to 5-on-5 because 5-on-5, they can move the puck up and down the ice. They can play in the neutral zone, that sort of thing. When you force them to defend uh, longer, 
mistakes are going to happen. I think that's what we're seeing. Uh, the thing I find interesting is the Jets brought in a guy like Gabriel Bork specifically for his penalty-killing prowess, uh, and that's not really looking that good right now. Um, the forwards have been okay, but I think it's just that overall team mindset hasn't been good overall. Well, and that's kind of the thing that we talked about coming into this season is that the defense was going to be good at moving the puck up the ice, a quick transition, good neutral zone play, and that's really what we were going to be the was going to be the strength for the Winnipeg Jets. But then when you're for, forced basically to play defense in your own end, that's where you're going to have some problems. Vili Hainala, he has been now out of the lineup for a couple of games. Uh, any lineup choices that kind of stick out to you here over the last few? I know Latestu came out of the lineup, but I'm sure some were happy about that. And so then that line was Appleton with Bork and then Gustafson getting his first start. Uh, so I know he's uh, been a player that you've been excited about in training camp. How excited are you now that he's actually gone into a game? Yeah, I think it's great. I think uh, one of the the bad things about the start to the season was Gustafson had his parents out from Sweden. Uh, I believe it was through the first four games, all in the road trip, his parents were traveling essentially with the team, going to every single game and Gustafsson didn't get any single start. Uh, really frustrating, his parents going back to Sweden, uh, and now a couple weeks later is when he gets his first start. Uh, he reportedly called his parents, his parents were in tears, um, just so excited for him. Just a great story overall. Uh, the, the thing about Gustafsson is that um, he didn't play that much in his first game, so it's great that he got into the lineup. Um, and it's the, the other interesting thing, it wasn't even a coaching decision. It was a, an injury to Mark Gustu, uh bringing Gustafson in, essentially. So it, if it was Paul Maurice's choice, Gustafson still probably wouldn't be in the lineup. Uh, but regardless, gets in. I believe he paid, played less than six minutes of ice time uh, in that game. So a very limited look. But, I mean, I, I like what I see. He, he's a good, big, strong kid defensively responsible. The offense isn't quite there yet, and that's what a lot of people are saying. Um, but once he kind of gets catches on to that, I, he'll be a fine player in the NHL for a long time. When you look at that line, Bork, Gustafson, and Appleton, those are all really... And I know Jets fans get a little bit, uh, we get kind of biased because we see our own players, we talk about them all the time, and we really get focused on it. If you're the opposition and you're coming in and you see that's the line, most casual fans have no clue who those three players are. And so when you see them out on the ice, you think, hey, here's an advantage that we can take on this team, and they try and capitalize on that. To me, that's really a true fourth line of players who are kind of bubble guys, a couple of up-and-comers. Bork, a guy who's been a fringe NHLer for a while now, it doesn't really give you a lot of confidence uh, heading into the game when that's one of your lines rolling out. When you talk about depth up front, that just doesn't scream depth yet. I know Appleton and Gustafson have potential. It just doesn't scream that kind of depth right away. No, I agree with you. The, 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 the argument I would make is that having Latestu in the lineup is is probably even worse. Was he an NHLer a few years ago? Yeah, for sure. Was he an NHLer last year? No, not even close. He played two games last year. So how can a guy that played two games in the NHL now all of a sudden be a third-line player on your team? If I'm in the opposition, I'm saying hey, we can destroy this. At that time, it was the third line. We can destroy this third line because they have AHL talent with Mark Letestu on there. So, I mean, you could say that Letestu is a veteran stardom over Gustafson, but in terms of, of talent, I mean, I'd almost rather take the 19-year-old rookie because the opposition is going to say the same regardless. Yeah, no, I'm not advocating for 
Latestu over Gustafson. I'm glad Gustafson's playing over Latestu, and I hope it stays like that. I'm just saying, in general, whether it is Gustafson or Latestu, either way, you still have that same, here's our chance, let's take it while these guys are on the ice. I think you get that both ways. And so now when yeah, you, totally. Yeah, so when you take a look at that roster uh, up front and then on the back end, sending Sami Niku down, I know that's been another big talking point that a lot of people have been discussing. Uh, is that move, uh, how does that look in your mind? What do you think about sending Niku down? Well, there's a few things that I think a lot of people forget. And the first major one is that he's waivers exempt. And it's the easy move by the organization to put Sami Niku down to the minors over somebody else that would have to clear waivers because the Jets are not in a position to lose any more defensemen because we've seen this before. Injuries happen. Who knows what else is going to happen? The Jets need healthy bodies and their defensemen. You wave a guy like Boteto or Dahlstrom, one of those types of players, are they going to get claimed? Maybe, maybe not. If they do and an injury occurs, how much thinner does that leave you? That's, that's the first point. Uh, the second point is, we have absolutely no idea what's going on with Sammy Niku. Uh, he was, I mean, he was in a car accident, a fairly decent car accident at the start of training camp. Uh, didn't really do any training camp, a little bit, one or two games preseason, not much. Uh, so he hasn't had tons of playing time. He goes down to the moose, plays a game, comes up, plays a game, goes back down. He was held out of a game, I believe it was last weekend, um, due to injury once again. Is that the same groin injury in training camp? They just said lower body. Is it still effects of that car accident he had a few weeks ago? There's so much speculation going on, and nobody knows what's happening, except for Sammy Niku and the organization. So I, I'm sure there's more to this story. It's not as simple as call Sammy Niku up and play him, because he's likely dealing with injuries. He likely just needs more time on the ice before he gets uh, back to the NHL. And see, the big thing is everybody sees his skating and we definitely get enamored with younger players. We get excited about potential and future and he's had some really good numbers and some good seasons in the AHL. I don't want to take that away from him either. I want him in the lineup, definitely above guys like Boteto and Dahlstrom. But again, when we evaluate these players, a lot of fans are just always looking to the future and looking at potential, not always necessarily looking at in this moment, in this game, is he the best option to be in the lineup? A lot of people probably say he would. Yes, he would be, and then that's part of the development. On the other hand, of things like keeping a guy like Dahlstrom or Boteto in, even just for a few more games, if he's managing still a few bumps and bruises, I don't know. We just It's tough to balance potential and development with just here in the moment who you feel maybe gives you a better chance to win because Niku is a lot different than some of the other players in the lineup, like Dahlstrom and Boteto, and those are kind of the guys I just keep going back to. They have very different skill sets and different things that they do well, in my opinion. Uh, anything else you want to mention as far as lineup changes or the last few games are concerned? Any concern about well, losing two to Pittsburgh and uh, Arizona? I don't think so. I wouldn't be too worried. The game against Pittsburgh, it, it was close at one point, got out of hand kind of at the end. Arizona kind of the same way. It was close. The Jets actually up in that game, just kind of got out of hand in the second period. Um, so, I mean, those types of games are going to happen. You just want to limit them. You're, you're not going to win every game, but I think uh, the concerning thing for Winnipeg, like I mentioned before, is the penalty kill. you gotta you got to defend when you need to, uh, especially on the PK. You can't give up those easy goals, those deflating goals, when you have a lead and you're giving up continually power play goals against, I think that's a big issue.
So moving on, looking to the last game against Arizona, a 4-2 loss. It's being reported that this is the first game that the Winnipeg Jets have not sold out since they returned back in 2011. And uh, I know there was that comment from Gary Bettman back when the Winnipeg Jets returned where he talked about how basically it would be needed to be a sellout every night because of the small building, because of the Canadian dollar, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in order for the Jets to work in Winnipeg. What are your thoughts, just kind of seeing this, hearing this, that it's not a sellout? Uh, I mean, I'm not super worried at this point. We all knew it was going to happen eventually. You can't sell out every game in the history of the franchise. That's just not how it works. Um, that being said, I think we've wore off the initial um, excitement of having a team back. It's been a number of years now, uh, eight years going on now. Um, I think the the initial excitements wore off, and, and now it's turned into any other hockey market where um, – there's a lot of fans, but if the team is not performing well, it might not be a seller at every game. On the other hand, when your team is performing well, have a chance to win the division, have a chance to be a contender, that's when you're going to be selling out your your space pretty much every single night. Yeah, and it's a tough situation for this game against Arizona. A lot of fans who'll be traveling in from out of town, dealing with crappy roads, uh, power outages. And I know a lot of Winnipeg fans think, oh, it's just people from Winnipeg fill in the building. But really, let's be honest here. I know tons of people from rural Manitoba, we both do, who travel into Winnipeg for the game and for all the games. I know tons of season ticket holders out in Portage, in McGregor, out in Steinbeck, up in the Interlake, literally from all around Winnipeg. People come in for these Jets games, and so when you have a major storm, people without power, people kind of in scramble mode, it's going to make sense that there's going to be less people to draw on, especially when it's a game against Arizona. Yes, Phil Kessel's coming into town, but let's be honest, when Sidney Crosby, when uh, guys like Connor McDavid are coming to town, there's a bigger crowd. When it's rivalry games against Minnesota, against Las Vegas, St. Louis, you're going to draw a crowd. When there's the original six teams, Toronto, Montreal, New York, Boston, there's tons of those fans in Winnipeg. They all come out as well. But when it's a Tuesday night after a major storm and maybe you don't feel like leaving the house, the Arizona Coyotes don't really bring a lot of fans in. Maybe a few who followed the franchise to Arizona, but in general... They don't draw a big crowd. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and I think that's pretty much the major factor. One of the other things to keep in mind here is that nobody really knows what a, a sellout actually means. And uh, what I mean by that is it seems like every uh, either sport or um, people dissecting the numbers have a, have a different definition of a sellout. Uh, some people thinking a sellout is literally every seat um, sold well before game time. Uh, a lot of people have said if you look at Jets tickets up to game day, even last year, you could have got a ticket five minutes before puck drop. So in that sense, maybe there were games last year where it wasn't technically a sellout. Uh, but I know you were reading uh, some articles online where maybe it's a, a 99% sold equals a sellout. So there's just all these different thresholds. I'm curious to to know what exactly they meant by not having a sellout um, and if it was a certain threshold or literally every single seat not taken because there are reports that this has been going on for, for over a year now where there's still tickets available for people. There's not a, a butt in every seat, so to speak. So that's why I'm kind of curious where these are kind of coming from. It's kind of interesting how we look at this over the years. Since they came back in 2011, I remember 
I was working here at the radio station when they came back. TSN had that meter of likelihood of the Winnipeg Jets coming back. And I always said, I was like, I'm not going to believe that the Jets are back until they are officially a game being played in Winnipeg. I just didn't believe it. I didn't want to get my hopes up that an NHL team was coming back. I remember those first few seasons, people who didn't care uh, anything about hockey, going to games, everybody wanted a ticket. They were so tough to come by. Every game was just impossible to get tickets. It wasn't even the fact that people were wary about the price. It was just literally you couldn't get a ticket into the building. It was hard to find them. Now that we are about eight years removed, it's a lot easier. Businesses and corporations, they've been to games now for years. All of the top executives, they've all been treated to games. All the managers have been going to games. Now it's trickling down to some of the lower-level employees. It's a lot easier to get free tickets that way. Giveaways and contests, they're becoming more plentiful because all the business managers, they've seen these games now. They don't feel like they have to go to every game. People, it's easier for people to buy. Like season tickets, I think, are still sold out. You can't get any more season tickets. I, I'm sure there's probably still a waiting list for it, but it's becoming easier and easier. Where do you feel the excitement level is in Winnipeg? It kind of, this feels like it's the first chink in the armor in our amazing Winnipeg fandom. Well, I mean, like I said, the, the novelty has worn off, and I wouldn't, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. It's no longer, like you said, a, a, such a fantastic. Um, time every time you get tickets just because they're so hard to come by. I remember going to a few games in those first seasons because, like you said, tickets were so rare when they came across, you had to snatch them first chance or else you're not going to go to a game potentially all season long. Um, so it's just a mindset of um, it's no longer a, a new or exciting um, experience, but I think that doesn't matter because there's 30 other cities in the NHL I mean, not all of them are thriving, but if you look at the other thriving ones, they've been around for a long time, and I think you can just kind of settle into that groove, um, and, and you have to be a, a team that's performing well um, to, to, keep up the, to keep up the seats. I think that it's as simple as that. You have good teams on the ice, and, and people are going to come to your games. You have terrible teams, and you're always losing. People don't really want to see that as much. Uh, I think the Jets if they go on a playoff run in the next couple of years, I think that excitement level is going to stay high even longer. Uh, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen when this first kind of wave of um, being a contender goes away. And maybe that's five years from now. Maybe that's 10 years from now. Hey, maybe that's by the time Mark Shifley turns 40. I don't know. But when that first period comes of drought, I'm very curious to see how the city of Winnipeg is going to react. Well, see, the tough part is we're kind of in drought right now in the sense that they still haven't won the cup. They went to one Western Conference, and you could say you're kind of in the contending window right now, and so I would say we're still there. But right now, just even seeing a little bit of a struggle out of the gate, and it's hard to say we're a struggle because you were right around 500. It's not like we're that bad right now, but we're definitely not a perfect team. There's definitely flaws. It's... It's interesting to see if ticket prices are going to come down or if this gets affected at all. Because I know for me personally, Jets tickets are still very expensive. I've never actually, I've paid for one game. I've been to a game every season for the Winnipeg Jets. One year I even went to three games and I have paid for tickets once. It's because I know guys who have tickets. They, I get free tickets. I've gotten a few from work. People just have extra. They just give them away. I've only ever paid for tickets once. And so... I personally don't buy tickets because either I'm probably, there's a chance I could get them and because 
it's so expensive, especially when you're coming in from out of town. Now I've got to buy an hour's worth of fuel there. You're going to have to eat something before the game because you're going to be hungry. And then at the game, a parking and everything just tacked on. It's probably, some people have said, you're looking at it about 100 bucks, kind of in all of the extra surrounding the game fees with food and driving in and all that, plus then the actual ticket price, which is quite expensive. Well, I understand those are coming down. Where do you feel, is there a breaking point? Are we going to start to see tickets coming down, or is this just non, non-sellout, a, just a blip? Well, I think it's a, a blip for now. If if it becomes a reoccurring theme, I think they definitely have to consider um, lowering the prices because, like you said, it is expensive. Um, and, and none of that was even to to think about potentially grabbing a beer or two during the game or any sort of food at the game, which is even highly priced than what you're going to get anywhere else. So I think all those things added up. Um, it, it can be a little bit ridiculous. So I think if this is a continuation for the rest of the season, I don't think it's going to change this year, but I think next year um, you might see a shift in some of those prices coming down a little bit. Well, and especially for games on a Tuesday night against the Arizona Coyotes, maybe we'll, and we're already seeing it, especially on the secondary market. I've looked up for some of the secondary sites. You can get tickets for a lot cheaper I've seen some in the 50s or 60s or $70 range, uh, depending on where you're wanting to sit. Again, not straight from the Winnipeg Jets, but still, if you buy in little packs, you can start to get a lower price point. And so, as a cheap Winnipeg Jets fan, I'll put myself in that category. Uh, I hope that we start to see a few more prices drop, and so then a lot of uh, other fans can go to the games. And especially when it comes to bringing your kids, because right now I've got young kids. I don't want to bring them to a Jets game because I can't afford to take my family to a game if I'm paying for their ticket, because then you need four tickets or five tickets. But as soon as as soon as the prices come down, you'll start to see more kids, kind of like what you see at Moose Games compared to Jets games, where it's basically adults and a few kids uh, here and there. Just kind of something interesting, and I know kind of not talking as much this segment about what's on the ice, but just kind of the business side of things. Uh, is there anything else you want to add about for, before we move on to our last segment? No, that's about it. All right, so next up, we're going to take a look at uh, going forward for the Winnipeg Jets and uh, some players potentially coming back. <laughs> So it almost took everybody by surprise. If you were watching last night's Jets game against the Coyotes, uh, they had an insider trading segment with some of the insiders from TSN. Darren Dreger reporting that there's some optimism surrounding Dustin Bufflin and his potential return. We haven't heard anything new for a while, so that obviously piques my interest. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, if we really don't know anything in the way Darren Dreger um, reports his news, he, he usually says, well, we're hearing optimism, so this could mean something. Or it could mean absolutely nothing. So I don't think we're really any further along uh, other than don't lose hope is kind of my takeaway from all of this. And so let's be realistic here. What is, do you think, the impact of, of Dustin Bufflin returning? Put a date on it, Kyle. Pick a date. Be bold. I want a hot, spicy take. Dustin Bufflin, when is he back by, if he is at all? Well, see, here's the problem, and because we've already gone two weeks into the season, if Dustin Bufflin decides today or tomorrow, whatever it is, whenever he decides to say, yep, I'm, I'm in, how long is he going to take to get ready to be in an NHL game? He's missed two weeks of training camp. He's missed two weeks of the season. He's in who knows what for conditioning. He knows 
he knows the systems. I mean, come on, he's played for this team for how long, but how long does it take him to get back into game shape and game preparedness? I would say at least we're looking two, three weeks or more for Dustin Bufflin. He's not known to be super physically fit when he doesn't have to be. So is it a month? Is it five weeks, six weeks? Who really knows at that point when even after he decides when he might even show up in a uniform. So if he decides today, I think we're looking at like a mid-November uh, start, if if anything. Yeah, he's not the kind of guy who eats kale, wheatgrass smoothies for kicks and does yoga on the weekends. Maybe he does. Maybe he totally surprises me. Just doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. It feels like the last couple of seasons he's taken his fitness fairly seriously. I feel like a couple of years ago we were always talking about his weight and his size, but it felt like over the last couple of years he kind of slimmed down a bit. He really was skating well, moving well, and I thought we had the lean, mean Dustin Bufflin that we really wanted and lean and mean as far as he's concerned. I am right there with you. I am going to put it as well that Dustin Bufflin is back in a Jets jersey by the end of November. That was where my timeline is comfortable putting that because we're already midway through October. I bet you here in the next couple of weeks we're going to hear Dustin Bufflin is going to be returning to the Winnipeg Jets. They're going to make the announcement. He's going to miss a couple of games just kind of as he comes back to the team, skates with the team, and then they'll put him back into the lineup. That's kind of what I'm hoping. That's kind of what I'm predicting right now. I'm going to go out on a limb. That's what I'm predicting uh, for Dustin Bufflin. Even an out-of-shape Dustin Bufflin, I think, would make an impact on this blue line compared to some of the guys who are in right now. You don't have to trot him out for 25 minutes a night. It would be nice if you could. I think even an out-of-shape Dustin Bufflin is better, and I keep picking on him, but Boteto. I've just not been a fan of Boteto's game so far. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree. It instantly transforms your defensive pairings, and it might be exactly what the Jets need on the penalty kill. If they're defending in their own zone, nobody clears out their crease like Dustin Bufflin does. Uh, so I think it's going to be a massive uh, addition if he decides to come back, and, and it's still a huge if at this, at this point. There's no real news of anything. Um, so I would say it's, it's definitely a huge upgrade. It's an instant game-changer in terms of what the opposition is thinking. Um, Neil Pionk, I'm sorry, but he just doesn't put the same um, fear into the opposition as Dustin Bufflin does um, on that potential second pairing. Um, so... I mean, just the the morale boost in the room, the fear in the opposition, and then the actual on-ice slap shots, hits, um, defensive play. It's just there's no comparison um, to what he could do for the team. All right, and so then the one other player the Jets are still waiting on is Brian Little. He's with the team. We know his situation a lot better, but again, with injuries, timetables always sometimes uh, up in the air. Your thoughts on his return and what he means to the lineup? Yeah, so I believe it was actually uh, this morning news breaking that Little uh, was practicing with a um, with the team in a full contact jersey, uh, no longer sporting the bright yellow, no uh, non-contact jersey that he has for the last couple of weeks. So that's definitely a really good sign for the team. Uh, I believe in the line rushes, he was moved back to the second line uh, as of his first practice back. 
um, as a full contact practice. So I think Cop will probably move down with Lowry and give that third line a boost and Little kind of reclaim his role as a second line center. Uh, I don't know if it'll be in the next game or two games, uh, but likely by, by the weekend, Little should be back. Well, I really like Little coming back into the lineup. I think that really helps with depth and with balance, being able to move guys around. I don't mind keeping Andrew Kopp there and then putting Little with Lowry because then that really just strengthens that third line. But Kopp and Lowry have also looked good together. And so I think there's a bunch of combinations that the Winnipeg Jets can look at. And I think there's a lot of potential there getting Little back into the lineup. There's a lot of people harking on him and have been really kind of, or harping on him. I uh, haven't been excited about his play the last couple of years. But I think that... It's, again, play versus expectation. If you're expecting him to be a 60-point guy, well, he might not be that anymore. But he's still going to be a solid contributor and is a very valuable NHL player compared to some of the other guys who are currently in the lineup, especially in the bottom six. And I look forward to having him back in as soon as possible. Well, that does it for this week's episode. Trying to keep it a bit shorter. I think we barely succeeded in keeping it under half an hour. Very close anyway. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Kyle? No, but we cover pretty much everything. That is right. And if you want to see Kyle's articles and if you want to learn more, gentsnation.ca. Kyle's handle is just KB, and so you can search for all the articles that he has put together. Of course, we've got a great writing team that you can hear from. And you can also follow us on iTunes. Uh, There's a bunch of different places where you can find our podcast, anchor.fm. And so check us out, of course, as well, jetsnation.ca. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at jetsnation.ca.